Okay, hello and welcome to episode 17. My name is Ross. And I'm Greg. And it's time to put the kettle on because it's tea time. Right. Mm. <clears throat> I do believe, Craig, it is time, your turn, to start with the news. Uh, yes, it is. And I have a few pieces. Um, first of all, a little one for you, since you're a Nissan Leaf driver. For me? Yes, specifically for you and the thousands of other people like you, I suppose. Uh, what happens to your batteries once they sort of degrade and they're no longer car quality? Uh, we deliberately drive the car into a tree and claim an insurance. No, that was a joke. Um, um, I, well, I don't know, actually. I, I don't know. I guess you could try and get replaced, but I, I imagine that would cost about half the price of the car itself. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the thinking right now, that the batteries outlive the car in usefulness, just in other things. And there's a company who started using them in other things, and they've started making electric ferries using Nissan Leaf batteries because yep. they obviously require significantly less power to do the same type of thing. And they are a really good way to recycle those batteries. Yeah, they're also, um, I think they're also used for um, on house storage, like the, like the Tesla Power. Mm. Basically, anything which is just it has less of a um need to charge the next um what's the word you know what i mean to use the energy and then and then, and yeah. then extract again anything that doesn't do that as often it's uh it's fine for yeah exactly low performance um longer use less less requirement of rapid charging so rapid charging ferries ferries good good avenue and it is actually the uk's first electric ferry being launched with old nissan leaf batteries hey. so it's nice to know when you move on to your brand spanking new Tesla in the future, your leaf could live can, in a ferry. Can, can, can die at sea. I mean, uh, can, yes. Yeah, they can, make, they can maybe finally get rid of that chain that connects uh, pool and sandbags and, yeah, they'd be powered by an old Nissan leaf. They'll just use the Nissan leaf battery to turn the chain. <laughs> That's what they'll do. I'll just keep everything up. So. Maybe. Um, yeah, so... Before we, a couple of weeks back, we did a who like round of applause, thank you thing. I have no idea if that worked. However, there's another round of applause I'd like to shout out for Japan. Uh, no, wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to give them a round of applause until I know what they've done. Um, basically, they've upped their climate ambitions and they've started meeting the UK and the EU's high standards to meet the Paris Climate Agreement. So oh. Japan have gone all in to say, we will meet um, the Paris Climate Agreement and more because our ambitions have also been increased and basically we're going to kind of copy the uk so i'm not sure if that's part of the trade deal or if that's been discussed so in any way to do with that with them didn't we so um maybe we just had a massive trade deal with them yeah yeah so um they are reducing their emissions by 80 percent by 2050 uh, uh, the well, target well is done 50 percent by then so i mean they're doing quite a good uh ambitious target Kind of meeting what the UK already suggests we should do. Uh, another piece of tiny little news is the UK just installed its 20,000th EV charging point. 
Wow. Okay. I mean, I'm not really sure. That doesn't really compare, obviously, to the EU and the US. But for the UK, quite a big milestone. We're finally doing things and getting on that track. Yeah. I still think there's only like three in Dorset, but... Um, yeah. But still. <laughs> I mean, we're going to need these on like ferry banks soon. So, better get on them. Mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, did you hear NASA's big news? NASA? Yes, I did. You did? Cool. I mean, they kind of, they kind of left it really... I don't know, they did this little weird thing where we're going we're gonna to announce something big tomorrow about the moon. Yeah, no. And then, we, and then left everyone hanging. Monday. They said, but we can't tell you till Monday. What was that about? They just left everybody hanging. So we're thinking, oof, aliens. It must be aliens. Dark side of the moon. They found an alien base. Yeah, but why, then, did, they, why did they have to wait until Monday? What was that about? I, I don't know. Like, were they not sure to tell us or something? What reason could there be? But, um, yeah, then, then the announcement was that we've found water on the moon. Um, 100% verifiably found water in the moon, which makes moon colonization incredibly possible. And even so, uh, we are going to go ahead and start doing that. So we're going back to the moon. Hey, I think. Exciting announcement. Really cool. Um, I mean, the entire point of the moon is it's going to be just a port in order to get deep space travel. So what Elon's doing with reusable rockets, ideally that would happen on the moon. And that would just be significantly easier to go to Mars and back via the moon. Yeah. So that's the idea. And the fact we have water there means we can also live there. I mean, there's no discussion about um, life because where there's water, there's life in certain cases. But the moon doesn't, is it, is it right the moon doesn't rotate? It doesn't. That's why it has a dark side. Yeah, so um, yeah, so that, that's why there's also part of the, the, the where they think the ice is is in these very in these dark little spots, even on the side that we can see, that because it doesn't spin in the same way, it just doesn't get any light ever. So it's just yeah. like a frozen dark hole. Yeah, so it, it doesn't rotate, basically. It doesn't have an iron core. It doesn't have an atmosphere. It doesn't have anything to do with it that does anything. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that's why it's a moon and not a planet. Yes, I guess so. Um, but yes, I guess it's, yes, it's a lot, because of the gravity, lower levels, I guess it's a lot easier to take off from there. Um, so, I don't know whether it's got, water wouldn't necessarily mean they have methane, though, would it? Um, not necessarily, no. No. Which is what they need. And so from last week's topic, we know that they need methane on Mars in order to make that into a sensible uh, place to um, take off from. Um, yeah. So they would need the same on the moon, you'd think. But whatever. I mean, yeah, you, you, you'd think so, but know i mean as, as a port the idea is right now the majority of the thrust and the rocket fuel required is to get out of the earth's atmosphere yes so once you've done that maybe with a space elevator i think that was the grand ambitions before but maybe elon musk's idea of reusable rockets is cheaper and more long term once we get to the moon we just store that stuff there produce it there perhaps if possible and then take it to mars quite happily yeah, and that takes a million miles or so off the clock, 
getting to Mars. I'm not sure that has in time. A month, maybe? Weeks? Don't know. Not sure. If you're from NASA, please have a comment on the exact times. <laughs> uh, other than that, we have uh, a study which has come out to say why the lockdown that we've currently, well, we're currently in, mm-hmm. um, has barely affected the global temperatures. So, oh, really? Remember a few weeks back where we discussed how the Earth Day clock has been moved back a few weeks? Yes. And I say, especially brought us back to where we were in 2005, I believe. I can't remember the dates, but yeah, it was. Um, no, no, I don't think it was that far back. But anyway, it was. It was. It was a little bit. It was a little bit back. Yes, it's about three weeks, I think. And you know, before we were kind of like reaching one Earth um, resource usage at the end of August, uh, we kind of pushed it back to about mid-August, maybe beginning of August, which is pretty good. Um, even though that is still true, um, we have barely affected global temperatures, um, even though at its peak, one third of the entire world was in lockdown. Um, flights, car travel, they all plummeted by up to 75%. Most industrial activity fell too by about 30-40%. Mm-hmm. But what they're saying is, even though all that thing is good for temperature, What's yeah. also happened, and now we understand the benefits of, are uh, airborne aerosols. So during industry, um, aerosols are produced, which kind of hang around in the, um, the atmosphere, and they reflect back the sun. So okay. they, in a sense, help cool the earth down. Yes. So when we stop producing aerosols, which happens through just normal industry, yeah. the earth warmed up opposite to the fact that we've also stopped doing all the warming stuff yeah so in turn we actually produced a short-term warming effect which kind of negated the benefits so the study yeah it balanced out quite awkwardly in a sense i kind of what's kind of suggesting is if we want to make this uh work we just need to be in lockdown longer you know years to then really negate the differences in what we're seeing. Uh, my final piece of news is a cool little thing from Amazon. Um, they have launched an eco-friendly shopping platform in the UK. Oh. So the way they've uh, designed this is, is basically, so they really have like a monthly um, shopping sort of thing where they can uh, I can't remember what it's called, but they basically pop things in certain boxes for you and bring them to your house once a month. I'm not sure if you ever use this. It's for prime customers. Um, I use it myself for like nappies, wet wipes, that type of stuff. The stuff that you'd have to use pretty much okay. all the time. Yeah. And you, you get discounts on the more you buy and the more you fill a box. The more sustainable it is, the more discounts you get. Right. So what they're launching now is a sort of separate arm to that. Um, only for sustainable products. So we're thinking, you know, uh, plastic-free shampoo, uh, organic children's clothing, and then a bunch of other items, uh, 40,000 items at first. And the idea is that it'll benefit like fair trade schemes, um, carbon trusts. And the ideas are they're all picked on the environmental merits. Yeah. 
No, I mean, it sounds, it makes sense. It's basically making it cheaper for you to buy the product, the better products. Does that make sense? It's not particularly great for the, again, for the local shop supplier because you're, you're, for convenience levels, you'll still rather have that than walk to a shop, which would have been better. Um, yeah. That's capitalism, folks. It is. So, um, what's those guys who do the deal with Tesco's loop? Yeah. Yeah. So, I suppose it's kind of taking on them in a sense, except. Yeah, but it already about... kind of already sounds better, to be honest. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it depends, again, actually, it depends on what products they have because that was part of the issue that I had with loop is that most of the products I was have no interest in buying anyway. So. I mean, they're, they're launching with 40,000 items, so I have no idea what they are, but I imagine there's quite a lot of big brands in there. Um, but yeah. That was part of my issue, was, was the brands. I don't, I don't really buy brand stuff. but um. No, neither do I. I mean, they haven't specifically said any brands. Uh, all they're saying are environment, environmental merited products that benefit such schemes such as fair trade, carbon trust, etc. But I mean, even things like organic children's clothing, that sounds quite cool. I've never considered that before, to be honest, because obviously kids go through clothes quite quickly. Then being organic and what we discussed in the past climate agreement chat we had was that um, clothing fabric is the second biggest consumer of CO2 in the entire planet. Yeah. Uh, um, and yeah, most of it is just for fashion that we rotate and bin every three months, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I, th I think we talked about some service where you can basically send the clothes back or something. I mean, that's, I mean, from, mm. from my, from my son, that would be, if, if I, if there is a service, I should probably do that because that would be, I mean, life so much easier. Just know that you, he's all, you've always got clothes that will fit him. I don't worry about, you know, fashion too much. He doesn't care. You know, he's, he'll put, um, he spends most of the time, you know, wearing, uh, um, capes. And uh, and masks and things are running around like he's a superhero. So he does, he doesn't he doesn't care what colour his shorts are. Exactly, he's a kid, and we should we shouldn't even we shouldn't even introduce him to the idea of fashion. I mean, hopefully that crap dies with our generation. Hopefully. Anyway, uh, what news you got this week? Well, let me tell you there, Craig. I've got this uh, some stuff prepared for you. First of all, let's start with General Electric. American company, but bear with me. Um, Haliaid, their Haliaid X, which of course you know what that is, is their turbine, wind turbine, mm -hmm. uh, has just got better. And it's hit new records for how much energy it can generate in one day. And I wanted to bring this up because a few weeks ago, we did a, I did a thing on offshore wind and I tore mm -hmm. apart some loose arguments being very polite today loose arguments as to why wind turbines were a horrific idea um so we we took some of those apart and um uh well basically this is this is a perfect example of why this um it goes against that argument because basically what the argument did not count for uh was any form of innovation whatsoever mm. so in this case we've got exactly the same architecture exactly the same everything in how it all works, but they've just managed to make the blade spin quicker, more efficiently, whatever. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, that's as, as a, uh, I'm not sure I have the percentage increase, but it's 
you know, it's a little bit better and they'll do that and they'll keep doing that. Um, so yay for wind on that one. Just a little thing for that. Um, also, hydrogen is flying high at the moment. And, um, I, mean, and I mean literally, of course. Um, uh, apparently, Airbus reckon they will have hydrogen planes by 2030. So these are not Zeppelins, but actual planes. Act actual planes running on hydrogen. What, like liquid hydrogen? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm only thinking that normally they store the fuel in the wings and it doesn't feel like a lot of space to store gas. Check this baby out. Oh, wow. Look at that. That Look. looks like, um, what is it? what's they called? The B-71, the... The stealth bomber. Yeah. Now, Anzo, I should, we should clarify, it does say quite clearly underneath that, an artist's impression. I don't know, but um, the point of bringing it up really is just really, it's, we keep talking about it, it keeps coming up. We're not seeing much in, in real life about it, but hydrogen keeps coming up as this fuel source, <laughs> magical fuel source that everyone's making, but you know, hasn't been actually anything that anyone can go on yet. Yeah. I so, mean, and even when we discussed hydrogen before, um, we should redo an episode on hydrogen, I think. We probably should, because it's taking just, over. It's just the fact that the hydrogen... Over. Yeah, uh, the fact that hydrogen, uh, hydrogen fuel cell was invented, what, 150 years ago by some Welsh guy for oh, absolutely nothing to do with propulsion. So... Yeah, been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, right, next one. In the race for driverless cars, Mercedes-Benz gives up. Oh, yes. A spokesman from the company said, the conversion to a mobility provider is a thing of the past. We will move away from it again. You can't make money with offers like car sharing. Our investors not only expect sales, but also, above all, profit yeah <laughs> how will how will they achieve this profit goal reportedly by cutting investments in r&d and focusing on building their brand and pushing the luxurious aspects of their cars mercedes what do you think happens when the cars are driving themselves a full transit with a dfs sofa in the back is going to be more luxurious than your car because you have to drive your cars and they don't have to. Morons. Um, so, yeah. Um, and the other thing is, like, the other thing that doesn't get me about Mercedes in this new direction of being complete twazics um, and focusing on profit is, uh, I don't know if you know your Formula One, but they have dominated Formula One for the past seven years. They didn't do that by not innovating, did they? Lewis Hamilton doesn't constantly talk about how we haven't had to do anything for the last seven years. He's constantly talking about how they have to always working at the factory to mean new updates, to make it better, to keep the top of the game, blah, 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 blah. Why on earth they think that giving up and just going, ah, sod it, we got luxurious cars and that will be fine is going to work. Hmm. Are they doing some sort of deal with like Tesla? They're basically saying, 
well, we can use your skateboard, please. And then we'll stack our luxurious like chassis on top of that. No, that's not going to work. Well, they did have a relationship with BMW, but that's now fallen apart because they've sort of said, we can't do this. Um, I mean, people were questioning the, the deal in the first place because basically they were trying to work together on, on AI software. Two companies that don't do software, drawing together to do software, doesn't really make any sense. Um, and then the reason they can't go to Tesla and say, can we use your skateboard? Because as of battery day, Tesla are no longer working towards any sort of skateboard. There is no such thing as a skateboard now because they've yeah. now worked out that it's more efficient than, um, for the battery to have the battery as part of the, of the structure. So there is nothing that you can just put on top of. So it's all embedded in now. Chassis-wise, though. Embedded into the chassis of the car. What, sorry? Uh, Chassis-wise, though, is that still not customizable? Could you put, like, an Aston Martin or a whatever car on top of a, a no, Tesla no. base? No, because there is no base. There's the, the, the battery model is all built into the, the stamping that makes up the whole chassis of the car. Oh, the entire... Oh, right, okay. I didn't realize they that. Can't, they can't do that. So you're talking about anything that would pass like a crash test is now reinforced by a battery. Yeah. All the arms and everything. Yeah. So BMW can't say, oh, I mean, if the arms were like this width, that'd be really cool. I would meet those design because they say, no, our battery's this width. That is this is what we've got. Yeah, no, no. It's all, it's all, all part of the design now. Ah, so I mean that has a potential problem in itself. People are worried about um, like the ability for anyone else to fix Tesla cars um, because it's if it's that embedded, then how do you, you know, uh, take things off, put things on, whatever, mess about with it? Um, hmm. Means that Tesla will probably be the only ones that can fix their own cars um, unless anyone's willing to actually learn it. Um, so that's one that's one criticism of this new approach, but um, but yeah, in terms of Mercedes Benz, no, they can't go there. I'm, I mean, you know, someone like GM will probably do that. Um, anyone else might do that because of the fact that they can realise that all the other car manufacturers might might do that. But then they're always going to have because they have a skateboard and they're building on top of it. They're all going to have a disadvantage over Tesla, unless they can come up with some other way of making theirs. Okay as efficient or at least cheaper somehow. So yeah. So in, in the same vein of argument, I did see uh, calls for Tesla to sell uh, or license their self-driving technology. Do you think that's something they would do in the future? I mean, once they have an obvious lead. Um, I think so. I mean, I think, yeah, I think I would if I was, if I was Elon, <laughs> because uh, it, their mission is to to uh, to move towards sustainable energy. So I think they would, as long as it was for an electric car. I don't yeah. think he wouldn't want to help petrol and diesel cars have it. No, um, because that would go against his mission. Um, but if no. it was an electric car, then I don't see why they wouldn't. Because from their perspective, it's software. Um, obviously the cameras are kind of important and they're probably rather configured to the cameras so that the positioning of the cameras might mean that the chassis might need to have some restrictions on it, but, 
but I don't, uh, yeah, it, it, but it also might not. It might be even a bit more adaptable than that because presumably they need yeah. to work on the on the S and the X and the and the Y and the Cybertruck. So they will have to have dealt with that uh, different form factor issue themselves anyway. Presumably yeah. they work different software for each one. They'll figure out a way of making it so that it works for all of them. Yeah, no, that kind of makes sense too. I can imagine them being the windows of self-driving. They'd have a closed ecosystem to a set spec that, yeah, the other car manufacturers would have to adopt. Otherwise, I mean, what's Mercedes otherwise saying? We're going to continue to make cars until 2030, then call it a day? Well, so we, we also reported on Mercedes... Uh, a few weeks back, which was a similar thing that they're focusing on profit, but they've they're doubling down on that to the point where they're even dropping their AI stuff. I'm, I literally don't understand what what they're doing. They have lost the plot, as far as I can I mean, tell. They obviously haven't done much because, like, they're not like trying to flog off what they've done. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to stop doing this. Going to buy this, guys. You know, we got yeah, we got fairly far. It's kind of like, yeah, we've just absolutely failed this. It's a lot harder than we thought. But but to come out and say we're gonna cut R and D, I mean I mean I mean have you ever known a company? <laughs> have you ever known a company to, to, to make to have more success by having less R and D? No I mean it's it's, it's a bold choice. <laughs> if you don't innovate, you die. So thank you, Mercedes Benz, for everything you've done. It was been a pleasure knowing you. Um Bye. <laughs> I don't know. They've got a few years to change their mind, hopefully. Um, but yes. So uh, next up, oh, this is an interesting one. It's all slightly speculative conjecture. Is that the right word? Mm. Um, but it's interesting. So we're going for endless renewable energy, a bit like your nuclear fusion that reported, whenever it was you reported. Um, so supposedly, according to a Canadian startup, and it's a startup, so pinch of salt, um, we can achieve the same um, endless renewable energy source from the Earth's 6,000 degree molten core from anywhere in the world and get the price down to less than $50 per megawatt hour by the end of the year. How did they propose that? Basically, it's a ground source heat pump or a massive underground radiator. Uh, it uses thermosiphon, um, so no pump is needed. You just heat right, let the heat rise like it does anyway, extract the steam from the top to run a turbine, and repeat it. All right, so um, this breakthrough comes in part due to our improved ability to, draw, to drill sideways which is at least one good innovation that's come um, out of the oil and gas industry. Um, so it's not fully proven, but this geothermal fracking love child might actually be a savior to the oil and gas industry, provide zero emission green energy and have the physical land footprint of a shed in the woods. Right. Are you following what I'm saying? It's uh, I am. Yeah. You've got a, a, a loop. Of pipe basically under that's underground um earth heats up the the bottom of the pipe uses the siphon thermosiphon thingy to send the water to the top um it that this then basically turns to steam 
they mm. use the steam to run the turbine and then as the water cools it goes back down and gets heated up and goes round and round and it's a closed system it just goes round and round and round forever um they can also add uh pressure to the to the system to speed up a little bit if mm. they want to so it's basically used for you know if you've got like wind and solar and all the other things where they have sort of ebb and flow it's one of those backup things where you can if you if you need energy quickly you can just increase the pressure on the thingy and then it'll it'll run it a bit quicker mm. um and then you can sort of you know balance it out that way okay yeah so i don't feel that they've invented this or any sort of innovation by themselves no I so like, like this is what, what we discussed that the uk is doing with uh, abandoned mines a few weeks back where it's going to fill them full of water and do the exact same thing yeah uh, but so less efficient i assume because it's not so radiator like um i can't remember what the mine did but um this yeah it's because it's closed um it is a more efficient system um they're going to be using starting off with uh, existing geothermal sites that because i think sometimes they don't work out like they think they've got a place that they can drill and then it turns out there's no water there or it's dry and they're like oh uh, damn it that didn't work gutted and they spent, you know, millions doing it so they're going to take those places and then if it's closest and they can just fill it up themselves um but yeah apparently so there's nothing new if you like it's it's a ground source heat pump really um hmm. but with water in it um the only difference is it's much bigger it goes much deeper um and yeah this has only come about really because of the ability to drill sideways right cool really do before um uh but we've done it uh because of oil and gas because of fracking because of those sort of industries we have improved on that capability uh so now hmm. we can put some good use so i don't know it's one of those things it sounds like it could be amazing I mean, it, it sounds essential, to be honest. It does sound like, like an Earthshot type of thing that actually kind of makes obvious sense. Like, why are we doing this? Yeah, so we're, we're just used, so we're using the, the Earth core to heat up stuff. That makes yeah. sense? Yeah. So, I mean, geothermal works out pretty well for Iceland. But obviously, they have volcanoes, which so is easier to obtain. Yes. But geothermal hypothetically works anywhere. Anywhere you can dig a deep enough hole. Yes, so we just in by improving our ability to, to drill holes. Apparently, it doesn't. So the the concern with fracking is earthquakes. Um, mm. Supposedly, less of an issue with this because unlike with fracking, you're pumping water down a hole at such high pressure that it breaks the rocks further down. So that's you know it's what it's trying to do. Whereas this is a as a it's a closed drilling system. It's you, you're drilling a hole and then encasing it as you go down so it's not it's not firing pressure it's 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 drilling an actual hole um i mean i mean you're drilling a hole potentially therefore still got some sort of risk of earthquakes but i just don't it's i, I don't think it's as aggressive cool um so that could be pretty cool and i like the fact that you know on on, t on the ground unlike the wind turbine issue where it's mm. this thing that uses that sort of lovely um, free energy, but it's an eyesore and no one likes the look of it, and a solar panel which takes up a whole field. Um, 
this one is a is one where when you don't have that sort of available land footprint that you can use this one as i said is like a it's a shed in the woods it's the underneath massive but on top it's just the bit that's got this this turbine and in it running um and the pressure valve and that, other than that you wouldn't know it was there really nice nice so we should have them and then we should grow trees around the shed in the woods well it's woods so obviously it's got trees on. um there you go uh you want you want more energy great that field over there i'll have it i'll grow trees on it i'll put a shed in the middle and i'll 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 dig myself a radiator <laughs> yeah that sounds pretty good i'm also wondering whether the boring company is going to help with this as well at some point because I, I was thinking of them that they can they could drill sideways pretty well they can yeah i think i think the uh the, i think they build uh, uh wider um tunnels than we would perhaps need for running water but and there are and also there are some other designs which um don't seem to need it to go back to where it came from it's like almost like a fork system so it goes down and then forks out didn't fully understand that bit so I didn't, didn't explain that bit but i think that's a future development that they're planning on doing because obviously they're looking for ways of dr drilling which um they can do blind basically um because obviously they're not gonna they don't want i don't think they want these things big enough for people to go down them um they want them to just go down and then drill and figure it out on their own type thing but if they can the deeper they can go basically as long as the pipe and the thing drilling can cope with the heat the 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 deeper they go the uh the more effective the system is yeah and that is my news for the day ah oh, fantastic um i like that did you say what the startup's name was the the, the startup name I did not, because uh, I didn't run it down. <laughs> ah. Oh, wait a second. It was, uh, no, I, I remember it, it was, uh, it's not pronounced this way, but it's, I think it's called Ever. Ever. Ever, yeah. But yeah, the spelling's odd. It's doesn't, it doesn't look like it, it, it isn't. Uh, I, was, I was hoping for a pun, like a boring company. Well, like, no. I don't know. The underground radio company, I mean, I don't know. Some pun, some pun, third pun. No, probably not. Anyway, um, today's topic. So, not going to be a long one because trying to keep this nice, short, and sweet. Kind of what this topic is all about is intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting. Okay, yeah. Intermittent fasting. So, you and I have experimented with this in the past. And we sort of, sort of do it. We'll do it. I did it. I did it today. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So this is something that um, we both understand the benefits of. So it should be quite a quick one for ourselves, but for everyone else, um, this is kind of a summarization, hopefully. So for me, I'm all about just reducing consumption, really. Um, more for not the environment, sustainability, but also for the fact I'm, I'm, I'm quite lazy, to be honest. And the less stimulus I can take in, the better. I prefer to be, I prefer to automate things and have as limited inputs and outputs as possible. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, intermittent fasting is a really easy way to solve the food problem of the fact that we have to eat. X every now and then. Yeah. 
Um, so the ideas we had before of uh, indoor farming, um, hydroponics, that type of stuff, doesn't produce mass varieties and mass quantities of food. So those type of future worlds really work well with this too, which is good. But just to summarize, first of all, the idea of intermittent fasting is, come on, I suppose summarize it, just, just eat once a day. Have, nice. have, have one nice, nice big dinner. Try and get in uh, roughly your daily calories, but don't worry about it too much. Um, and the idea is that as long as you're over 18, kids shouldn't do this. Um, you can have yourself a decent meal once a day, maybe even once every other day, depending on what system works for you, and you'll be perfectly fine. Like we've all been conditioned to eat a lot more than we need and a lot more often than we need. This little three times a day, or you must eat your breakfast, the important meal of the day, is, is all bollocks, basically. None of it really matters. Yeah, so um, uh, do you, you like your history? Have you looked at, um, or do you remember what the history is behind the three meals a day thing, where that came from? Um, I've heard certain conspiracies, like I'm, 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 I don't have the information in my head, so I'm just one. But right, well, apparently it was all introduced by the breakfast companies like Kellogg's um, really? in the 1920s, 1930s about why these things are important, and kind of hit you in the face twice as hard knowing that more cereals like Kellogg's are they're just useless. You get more nutrients eating the carb they come in than the actual flakes themselves. Right. A lot of these things are quite uh, nutritionally deficient. So empty calories. Uh, but it also makes cornflakes one of the highest um, profit margin products ever invented. Actually making the flakes is tiny cost. And the up upscale is, is amazing. Yeah. yeah, marketing. That's basically all the three meals a day thing is. Yeah. Um, and also uh, the insulin spike thing. Yeah, so discuss insulin a little bit later with um, different ideas there. But yeah, insulin spike is effectively your body dealing with either a reduction of sugar or an increase of sugar, which, whichever one, depending on um, how it works. But yeah, your, your body is used to being a gatherer, a scavenger effectively. Um, we are used to eating maybe a handful of berries today, maybe a wild buffalo tomorrow, maybe nothing for Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then maybe on Saturday, we find a banana. And that's kind of what our body is used to doing and has been used to that for thousands and thousands of years. And Kellogg's came along and messed up. Well, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's other people to blame. I'm not sure if Kellogg's is entirely to blame, but I know they're part of it. But yeah, intermittent fasting, it's not, it's not a new idea. This isn't something that's a modern day thing. Um, this has been practiced for thousands of years by ancient Stoics and other ancient warrior types. Um, Spartans are also quite known for their fasting. The idea of not eating for 30 days, 30 nights, that type of thing. And the idea is that um, you would fast then feast um and that's the basis of 
I think all religions too, they all have a festival of fasting and a festival of feasting. Like Christians, Christmas is a feast. Yeah. Uh, before that, you know, I meant to eat over Lent, for example. Yeah. All, all those type of things. Um, and obviously we know Ramadan, the Muslim faith, they have the same ideas. Uh, theirs is probably a bit more strict because they can't drink or eat during sunlight hours. Um, and the idea of intermittent fasting is you should never reduce your water intake. If anything, you should drink more water. Yeah, I'm um, bad at Mm. Yeah, I mean, it helps your body get rid of all this, all the crap, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's, it's an ancient um, diet, effectively, that's been handed down for thousands of years. And it's been not rediscovered, but sort of like readapted in the modern day world. People are now starting to realize that the whole three meal a day thing is a myth, um, your food quantities is a myth. You don't have to have 30% carbs, 30% protein, 20% fat, all that stuff. You don't really need those balanced nutritional meals. You can pretty much eat what you want, as little or as often as you want. But the idea is that you should eat the bare minimum, which I think we've practiced in good success. Um, if you're asking, um, I can tell you my... My reaction to it? Are you yes. asking? Let's, right. let's have uh, Ross on the campfire time. Okay. Um, right. So I did it for um, uh, weight loss as part of, as one, just the re reduction of, of, of calories. Um, two, because um, I just found it like I would accidentally skip meals anyway, like unintentionally because I was just, distracted doing something else whatever and it was just a i just found it annoying having to make time for breakfast make time for lunch um uh so when i sort of came across intermittent fasting and it might actually be better for me um to only eat once a day i thought well, actually that's that's kind of convenient i kind of like that um i liked the the cost part of it because obviously you spend money on having breakfast and lunch and you you know you spend time making sure that you've got those meals in your house ready to go um whereas uh as i've probably mentioned a few times here we sort of um because i live with other members of the family uh we eat together so um having that one meal a day means that it's the most efficient that it could be because we're cooking for everyone's having the same meal um which means i only have to buy one meal and because there's me and other adults then uh, that cost is shared out. Um, but also I read about um, autophagy, um, which is the process of living longer. I don't know, if, am, am I stepping on your toes there a little bit or not? How about that a little bit later? All right, I will Autophagy. Yeah, yeah, difficult one. Yeah. I pronounce it autophagy. I don't know if that's right. Um, or, yeah, autophagy, yeah, I, think, yeah, I don't know. Which I think self-eating or something. Um, yeah. suppose it makes you live longer. I'll let you go, go into the more that information yourself. But um, mostly, what when I talk to other people about it, they say so. I'll give you some of the benefits that I, I found. But people go, oh, I couldn't possibly do it. I you know if I if I if I if I don't eat for like a few hours, I get really like <laughs> ah can't do it. But and yeah. it's true. For the first for the first few days, 
it is actually really, really hard because every time you, if you smell food, if you're around other people eating food, um, it, as soon as you do, your stomach starts to rumble, which is what it's supposed to do is preparing itself. Um, uh, and it's very difficult and you feel like you're, you're not getting what you need. Um, but there's also that, um, insulin thing, which you also going to get to, which is part of the reason why you get that, that feeling that you need to eat the food and it's not true. Um, but you'll find after a few days that that, that just completely goes away. Um, and it's really not a problem for you to not eat. I don't notice in the same way that I used to notice half an hour, an hour before lunch and breakfast and dinner that I needed, I did the wrong order, but um, that I needed food. Now I literally, I get nothing else all day, but and that hour before dinner, my, my body starts going dinner time. So exactly the same thing happens, but without the ones, the, the other two. And that's yeah. brilliant. So I've had no issues with it whatsoever. It's absolutely, like I said, the first few days is hard. After that, really easy and all the benefits. And I don't think there's any of the negatives. None of them. It's supposed to give you mental clarity as well. I mean, it, there's literally, I, I haven't found any negatives to it whatsoever. I, I love I'm it. Gonna come, I'm going to come for the mental clarity part as well. But, uh, let you teach people. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's super easy to follow. I mean, it's very hard to get wrong. Just eat once a day. Nothing else. Have water. Black tea, black coffee is the ideal sort of things in between there. Uh, yeah. Green tea, if you prefer. Um, but yeah, just eat, eat once a day. That's, uh, that's the model we follow. Uh, we follow what's called, uh, OMAD, which is called one meal a day. Right. Uh, there are different types of fasting. There's, um, intermittent, which we do. There's alternative day, which means you can have maybe lunch, dinner today, maybe dinner tomorrow, and maybe nothing on the third day. To me, more complicated, prefer not. Um, you also have extended fasts where you just don't eat for three to five days. And then maybe on Saturday, you go all out, have a proper feast. Um, people have also had quite good results in those, and I've done a few of those as well. So I'll come on to them in a bit later. But ideally, the simplest way is often the best, I think. And the idea of Occam's razor, just stick with the simple, eating once a day, and that's it. Uh, kind of makes you think about what you're eating because that's the only meal you're having today. So you really yeah. do increase the it's quality. A it's a lot easier to go to focus on being healthy for one meal than it is to try and do it three times. Ah, so much easier. No snacks. So that's, you know, all that is saving the cost. And just the fact that, like, for example, I, I'm a meat eater, you're not a meat eater. But for me, um, I would look. I would look forward to the highest quality meat I could get, knowing I'll have that today. Mm -hmm. Like not buying like, you know, the off the, off the shop, two pound mince, maybe go for the five pound mince. Cause I know that today that's my one meal. Yeah. So when I make a chili con carne or a spaghetti bolognese, it's going to be a great meal. Yeah. So, I do eat meat sometimes. I'm a plant first, yeah. but I do eat meat sometimes. I had, I had steak for the first time in ages yesterday, not yesterday, earlier this week um and i you know i i thoroughly enjoyed it it was lovely but i i was allowed to do that i felt good about it because of the fact that i know i hadn't had it for so long yeah 
I mean, yeah, I mean, we've discussed the benefits of like, for example, being vegan, being plant first, all that type of stuff. Uh, for me, those are trumped by the idea of intermittent fasting because it's more irrelevant what you eat when you only eat once a day because the True, yeah. quantity of things is so significantly less. I mean, hypothetically, your damage is less too. So if you wanted to eat nothing but an entire plate of meat that one meal, so be it. That's still going to be less of a damage than if you did that three, four, five times a day. Yeah, okay. Yep. So for consumption basis, I don't know. I can't eat for breakfast, but well, I suppose English tradition is breakfast. Yeah. 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 Bacon wrap sausages. Bacon sausages for breakfast, chicken sandwich for lunch. Yeah. Minced meat for dinner. Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen those uh, chicken burgers, which is just a burger inside two pieces of chicken. There's no bread. (laughs) No, I haven't. Uh, Sounds wonderful. Yeah, I'm sure once it'll be all right. Um, so before I go into all the benefits of intermittent fasting, let me just cover the caveats. Um, do not do intermittent fasting if you're under 18. Do not do it if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. Um, there can be negative side effects on a health basis. Obviously, we are not health professionals. Don't do anything drastic like this. Speak to your GP or whatever uh, prior to changing anything drastically. Don't just stop eating and then blame us if, you know, if it all goes tits up. Um, the idea of intermittent fasting itself, so I'm going to the benefits now, are what, so very simple. Lawyer part of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a disclaimer, do not follow our advice, okay? However, yeah. we'll now tell you all the reasons why you should. <laughs> if, if you don't fall into the category of people who are high risk in this, um, the benefits, as Ross has already mentioned, are pretty astounding, personally. So... Like Ross, I've been doing this for the best part of a year, maybe even two years now. It kind of becomes very much natural after a while. And the first few days, the first week, maybe two weeks is difficult. Um, Mostly because it's habitual. It's just a habit for you to eat three times a day. And in the morning, you get hungry because, oh, I normally have have breakfast from this time. After a couple of days, week, you sort of forget that you've never really done that and you don't feel hungry anymore and it starts getting a lot easier but the other thing as well is that because your body isn't getting the quantity of things like sugars um other types of artificial things that perhaps you may have been consuming those type of things will reduce so your body does fight against those as with pretty much any dietary change there are the first initial hard parts where your body adjusts. But should you push through those, uh, you start getting to the, the significant benefits. So you touched on uh, autophagy. Autophagy. I think so, yeah. I saw here. Autophagy, but that doesn't sound quite right, does it? So I mean, that's kind of how it's spelled autophagy. Yeah, but I think it's autophagy. Yeah, autophagy. Self eating. Um, yeah, benefits of this process is basically when the body starts consuming your body fat in order to use it to fuel your body. Um, a lot of people get concerned by this that they're going to start losing muscle mass. 
and you'll only ever lose muscle mass once you've used up all your fat. Your body is smart enough to know that it's easier to consume that fat, which is the entire reason why it's there, versus using your muscle. And you'll only start eating your muscle once all your fat is gone. And I'm pretty sure you'd be fully aware once that happens because you would probably not be able to move. Um, other than that, fat usage, and again, that's where the body consumes and stores that fat, is for stuff like this. You aren't meant to eat as much as we do. You are meant to burn your fat. So the body stores it very efficiently in order to be used. So once you get into autophagy, your body starts burning the fat cells and produces um, various chemicals which are just generally good for cell quality, um, kill certain types of cancers. Uh, there's lots of evidence to say it also makes you live longer, which is good. Um, helps get rid of things like um, indicators which kind of predominantly push on to Parkinson's or um, any other sort of negative conditions to do with ideally just increased quantities of crap in your system. It's a good, it's a good flush out. Yeah, um, nice. and for me, um, the, the, what, from what I read, the, um, the way I look at it is because we are so used to, in our modern days of the world, so being able to have whatever we want, our bodies are in a, are in a constant state of happy, to, happy times. Um, so it, it takes all the extra fat, stores it, thanks very much, we'll keep that for another day, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and it doesn't, it, it's, it's expecting for you to get to a point where you then don't have any food. Yeah. Like that's why it's done it because it, it, it assumed that this summer or whatever was going to end and that winter was going to come and think life was about to get difficult. Um, um, and so the same chemicals which it produces when you start burning through your normal fat, your, so your actual, your store fat, um, also help to clean out your system so that you can mm. stop being a gluttonous fat, um, person to being uh, a lean, uh, mentally aware uh, person that can go hunting and, and fight for their life because that's what you're going to need. But we never get to that point. So it never bothers to replenish the cells. So we just collect all this crap um, and we don't clean it out. So it's like it's, it's the spring clean that never happens um, if, you, if you don't do it. If you don't um, uh, eat your body, store fat. It's like if you, if you it'll start off by using what's in your stomach and that's your insulin cycle. And then when it runs out of that, the next thing it wants is to do your store fat, but it can't, it can't do both at the same time. It can only use stomach or store fat. So you have to tell it, we're not doing stomach anymore. We're doing store fat. And the only way you can tell it to do store fat is to not eat. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's not even, you know, not even a choice by the body. Um, the stomach food goes first because it's the easiest. The body is a lazy, um, machine which will use the the least path to resistance which if there's food in your stomach it's efficient it's, yeah it's efficient uh, if there's food in your stomach it's easy calories um, if there's no food in your stomach it will start using its vast storages um, and most people even if you're an athlete have 15 to 20 percent of body fat on them at all times women have more and the idea is that you are not going to get to zero you there's there's no there's no worry of that effectively unless you have maybe medical conditions that has nothing to do with that but you'll be fully aware of that 
speak to GP. Um, other, other stuff too. Uh, so the mental clarity, so we did touch on this. Once you start burning up the fat inside, you start producing um, different um, fuel called ketones. So your brain uses those differently to sugars and other stuff, and it actually makes the brain more efficient. So the idea here is that you're in the middle of the savannah, you haven't eaten in maybe a day or two, um, your body starts producing ketones for you to find food. So your mind is now maybe firing at 115, 120% because we need to find food soon because we haven't eaten in a day or two, maybe three days. I think three days is the, the ketone um, peak where you start getting the benefits, the majority of these from. So now your mind is telling you, yeah, we need to start finding food now. So let's just be a bit more efficient, a bit more top heavy, and let's go find something. Let's solve that problem. For some reason, we're not eating. So you start getting a mental clarity. Uh, you say you haven't, you haven't experienced this. Um, I don't think I would say I've, I've observed anything. I mean, I, I've only been doing the, the once a day. I've, I've never gone beyond that. Uh, I can't say that. I, I, don't, I never feel particularly foggy, uh, mentally anyway, um, I, I, but I wouldn't know, so I haven't, you know, kind of, wow, I feel like I, I know everything today. <laughs> that hasn't, hasn't happened, so, sadly. You don't, you don't, don't feel like a Bradley Cooper in, uh, what's it called, Limitless? Not yet, no. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll fast for two days and, and see what happens. Well, third day, third day. Third day. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same, basically. I, I don't get that fog, but a lot of people will talk about how they've, the, like the mental fog clears up i don't really seem to have that or i don't think i've ever had that so i don't understand that perhaps so i'm not really on board with that but uh, i've done plenty of experiments where i haven't eaten for three days and one of those was over a chess tournament because i was trying to determine i didn't oh, yes. eat for 24 hours prior and then I didn't eat for the entire three days of the chest tournament. So it's about four days of not eating a single thing, only consuming water and black tea. And my test was, am I going to perform better this chest tournament than I did the previous year? And drum roll. I, I did. I did not. <laughs> you actually I performed worse. Yeah. yeah. Although, <laughs> so, although, in fairness, there was other factors involved. I'm not sure there's there's the of tests you've ever done. Yeah, I mean, of, of course, there's other factors involved. I didn't play the same people, different environments, et cetera, et cetera. I could have performed worse anyway. But uh, I was trying to see mentally, uh, did I feel better at the chessboard, trying to solve these problems in the time that I had. Um, it was classical chess, so I had a good hour and a half per game, so plenty of time. Um, the benefits I did notice were, especially on the second day, I was able to see the moves, which I eventually did play, significantly faster than I did prior. All right. So that's, that's the benefits I did see. So I still didn't win those games, but the moves I eventually did play, maybe after 10 minutes of check-in, I saw those immediately, and should I have been playing something like blitz chess, where the games were more like 10 minutes, 
Yeah. I think I would have had the edge. Okay. I think I would have done a lot better. But I think Maybe over a cla- classical game, I mean, my speed to see the move didn't really matter too much. It was not there. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't. Be- I didn't become better at problem solving. I didn't become uh, more intelligent or anything like that. Nothing mad. I think all I done was what I knew I was able to process and problem solve with what I knew quicker than perhaps before and reach the same conclusion I would have done later earlier. Yeah. So in my context, not really required, but um, in different contexts, I can see that being very useful. So crystal may. Yes, definitely. And any sort of game show at all where you have 30 seconds to perform, don't eat three days before that. You'll probably do a lot better. I'd probably end up eating crystals. I would be so hungry. Wouldn't work out. Uh, <laughs> the danger of, of, not, of uh, fasting for three days too is that it gets scarily easier. The second day is the hardest. Third day is the easiest. Right. Well, same, same as I guess when you do stop from normal fasting, normal eating to intermittent fasting. Start with yeah. so it's all right. Middle second day, third day, <laughs> starts to get a bit of a problem. Um, yeah, but by the end of the week you're fine. There's various research to say uh, what's the maximum you should fast. Obviously, there's like Buddhist monks who fast for months. Um, but the idea is you shouldn't really go past three days. Three days seems to be the limit of what we know is sort of a safety threshold. Um, different people, different things. You might start causing damage to the kidneys and livers and stuff. That you know, this yeah, I'm not, not I've, I've never pushed it. I don't even do it particularly strictly. Like I don't, I don't recall what time I started eating, what time I finished eating. Um, you know, like you know, I've. I've I'm, this is not this is not on the list of recommended drinks to have. Um, Was that like a G and T or something? No, definitely not G and T. It's black. It's got coke in it. Um, but um, yeah, so I've never taken it to any sort of level of extreme at all. I literally just do uh, one meal a day um, and a drink. <laughs> but yeah, so I you don't have to be super strict about it, but you still get some of the benefits. Certainly, the cost element. Certainly, the um, uh, the time element that you get back. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether I get as much of the autophagy as as if I did it properly, but um, probably do. Autophagy kicks in at eighteen hours, ish. So if you haven't eaten for eighteen hours, um, it'll start kicking in. But then if you do eat, as say, but the idea of OMAD is that you should have at least twenty three hours of uh, fasting. I've given you about five hours of autophagy uh, every single day, and I mean at the moment I probably I've probably uh, if this is this is not that's clearly not fasting right now. Um, so I'm but I've been I'm coming close to about four hours of not fasting. So I would so typically do twenty hours of fasting, four hours of not. Yeah, so I will give you that would make you a twenty-four sort of fasting schedule. Too many hours of fasting, four hours of eating ish. Which um, oh, and the, the the weight loss. Like I I don't. I was going through a period there where I was like, I mean I was never fat, but I was uh, I was clearly putting on some weight. Um, hmm. Whereas 
if I do this, I, I don't even have to particularly focus on doing regular exercise in order to not get fat. It's just naturally just doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Which it's, is it's a the, really, which is a difficult balance. Cause you, at the same time, I, I think that's probably not a good thing. Cause it, it means, it means I don't have to worry about making sure I do lots of exercise. And actually that's probably not helpful. Um, <laughs> because I probably should do the exercise anyway, but, um, yeah, I mean, you should if you want to get lean. If but... you have a busy lifestyle and you don't have time to go to the gym, this one does make it much easier to stay of a, of a sensible weight without having to worry about it. Yeah. Um, and it also works well with the gym lifestyle. Um, don't feel like you have to eat before or after a gym session. Um, that doesn't seem to really affect a performance. So um, weight-wise, I do a weight regime every morning with kettlebells, which we discussed previously. I've recently done my 10,000th one, which is pretty good. And I still only eat once a day and have done for almost 18 months now. Is that, um, a, is that an intense workout though? Your more, um, or is it relatively? Um, it's intense enough, yeah. As in my heart rate gets up to roughly 160-ish. Because I have found on days where I've done um, lots of uh, in, labor type work um, as an outdoor mm. work, um, I have found on those days that I struggle after doing the exercise to not want to eat because I almost feel a bit dizzy or, or whatever. So on those, uh, okay. when I have had that, I've just gone, well, that's not, uh, it's, never, it's never worth feeling horrific for the sake of this fasting thing. And I also think that um, I don't know whether doing it every day is even that, even as we said, they're supposed to be, well, as I said, <laughs> not you, I may have made this up, but they're supposed to be like this summer idea and this winter idea. They're supposed to be good times and they're supposed to be um, bad times. So yeah. fasting feast. doing the intermittent thing all the time, even though I am still feasting for four hours a day, um, I still think it's probably good for me to, sometimes not do that and sometimes just eat whenever i want to so um anytime i feel like i'm weakened or, or in something because i haven't eaten then i i will eat yeah and break the fast until the next day yeah i mean this is all to do with experimentation um i think you are probably more in a position where you're looking to maintain your body weight and your body level i'm still in a situation trying to lose weight so I'm still being very strict on what I do consume. Um, over the last year, I have lost just over 50 pounds. And I'm down to my last eight pounds of my ideal weight. And okay. that last eight is ridiculous, hard to get rid of. Mm. Even though I only eat in once a day, um, I do half an hour of kettlebells and a two-hour ruck every day. Yeah. I'm still not getting there quickly. Yeah, I'm still losing maybe half a pound a week. So it's hard. But, but that's um, you know, you've 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 probably lost the majority of well I said you've lost ninety five percent of weight. It's probably if you just did even if you didn't do the rucking, even if you didn't do the kettlebells, you probably wouldn't necessarily gain at this point. You would just stay as you are. I'm sorry, yeah. I probably have Perhaps some to lose as well. Um, I just haven't bothered. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I could go more strict. I could, I could stop doing the exercise, maybe do, you know, a three week, a three day fast every week. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, talking of extended fast as well, I have me and Jem, my wife, uh, we have started doing extended fasts. So we have a Sunday dinner on Sunday and then we don't eat until Tuesday evening. And that's mm-hmm. become a very normal thing we've done been doing pretty much since lockdown uh, because we then promised ourselves a takeaway Tuesday and normally have an Indian. And we don't eat all of Monday, all of Tuesday until eight o'clock. And that's our reward. Yeah. It it's, works. <laughs> and I bet, I mean, I've, I've you know, uh, even before fasting, having not eating anything all day and then having a, a curry. I don't know about you, but it, it, it tastes better than me. It tastes Amazing. better than you do that. So um, I, I like your bill. I like your little um, Tuesday night thing. It's great. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it is amazing because it's about four o'clock, five o'clock on Tuesday. So I'm thinking, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm hungry now. Let's, Ooh, get yeah. a kid, let's get the kids to bed now. Is it, <laughs> is it the same curry every week? Do you have the same one? Uh, not always the same, um, but I've got favourites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we've got to a point where we discovered we like this specific one. And it's like a buy one, get one free on the curries. So it's, it's a win-win. But we all, we get a lot of stuff. We probably consume, you know, 2,000 calories maybe. Mm-hmm. But, but it's great. So yeah. it's a really, it's a, it's a good me, time. I, I can't remember the last time I was seeing Smile so much. Just, just thinking about the curry. So there you go. There's, there's a, it sounds like there's a reason to do um, intermittent, intermittent fasting just for that low. It is. I mean, that's an amazing benefit. My other benefit, uh, which is probably less PC, is that I only poo once a week. Hey! Every that Wednesday. For that one. Um, no, I'm. Uh, let's not go into this topic too long. I'm more regular, much more regular than that. I, I'm. Yeah, but I just wanted to say that that I see it as a benefit personally, that my body is getting rid of less crap from my system, literally. Because yeah. it has less to get rid of, so that's I think it's a good thing. Uh, so lit- literally, it's like it's almost like it's reusing or recycling or something better. It's it's putting yeah. waste to energy because it's managed to find better ways of recycling what it got. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that, I I mean that's an interesting one because presumably, okay, your your um. You are doing more fasting than I am, but um, yeah, I think that's it's very because I because I'm not having that experience, so it's very interesting that that you are um, and what that must mean um, is you know what's going on underneath to enable I that. Know. I mean, I'm also very high on my water usage, which I know you said you struggle with sometimes. So yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not, not, yeah. I'm not sure if that helps too. That I may be flushing more stuff out in, you know, peeing than the other way. Yeah. So yeah. A, a lot of my toxins perhaps go up that way and not building up over time. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I probably eat a lot of a lot more because I, you know, I all have snacks after dinner, 
I probably maybe, maybe mm. I eat more of that stuff, which is not healthy stuff. But again, um, I'm mm. not obviously overly seriously. I just find it actually, it's just a very comfortable and easy method. Yeah, I, I, I think in order for things to be successful, they have become part of your lifestyle. And this has become part of my lifestyle. At first, I was super strict. Uh, five o'clock on the dot, I started eating. Six o'clock on the dot, I stopped. Right. And I use an app called Zero, uh, which you can find on Android, uh, probably iOS, I have no idea. And the idea there is that it tells you when you can eat and it tells you when you can stop eating. Assuming you want to stick to the same schedule every single day, which I did. Um, I did that for, for months because I was just forcing myself to stick in that world. And these days, yeah, not so strict. Sometimes dinner's a bit late, maybe half past five, maybe sometimes six. Yeah. And I know I eat roughly an hour. I mean, if I have an hour and 10 minutes here, 45 minutes there, it doesn't make a difference now. It's part of my lifestyle. And I'm literally not hungry in the mornings or lunch. And I'm not really hungry for dinner time sometimes. But I kind of force myself to eat because I should. Because I still oh, want to stick to it once I'm a day. I'm pretty fabulous by dinner time. I am. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm known for eating everything that's on my plate. And I, I, don't, I, I hate wastage. So um, I will generally eat anything that anyone else doesn't eat as well. <laughs> oh, dangerous with a kid around. And if there's seconds, I will probably have that too. Um, so, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm, I probably eat in that one meal. I, I'm, I'm probably in danger of eating the same number of calories everyone else eats in three. But, um, I mean, if you can eat it all in within an hour... So be it. That, that's, that was my rule at the beginning where I wouldn't determine, I wouldn't strictly say what I can and can't eat. I'll eat whatever the hell I want within one hour. Yeah. And that would be chocolate, you know, stuff, crisps, whatever, and a meal. And I would stuff them in. Yeah, yeah I would like, I, I'd be missing these things. I went through a phase of eating like those caramel wafer things. Right. I, used to, I love them things. I'd, yeah. I'd every time I fancied one, which would normally be around midday-ish, I put it aside. I'll have you at five. And I'll have you at four, son. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there's two or three on the side waiting for five o'clock. Right. It's like, ah, I'll treat myself today. I deserve that. Come, come yeah. five o'clock, I start with those three as I'm plating up the rest of the food. So that was, that was my treat. Well, um, that worked. So I think... Do it strict at first, but ease off as time goes on once you get out of the habit of wanting to eat three times a day. Once you've broken that chain of, oh, I must have breakfast, whatever, um, I think you'll be okay. And maybe maybe don't go straight into OMAD, which is one meal a day. Maybe get rid of breakfast. Start there. Have lunch, have dinner. Uh, maybe maybe get rid of tea as well. Tea and breakfast tend to be the the first and the last meals. Get rid of those. Have a nice lunch. Have a nice dinner, and then experiment. Get rid of lunch now and then. I mean, especially if you um, you know, used to work in an office, you know, used to, then uh, those type of things you'd obviously start saving money on quite easily. Yeah. So now lunch in an office costs quite a bit. Um, and then just have dinner when you get home and experiment and eventually just maybe just have dinner. Uh, my other advice would be to actually um, do your own research on 
on on where the whole three meal a day thing comes from because mm. as you've said and as i believe until you've only had one meal a day you just cannot imagine how it could possibly be the case that you could survive without eating <laughs> meals a day. every every single person i've talked to this about they always say the same thing no i i would get really cranky if i didn't eat if, if if I hadn't had if I didn't have breakfast I I'm, I lose it type thing, and they say that all the time. So obviously you know pick half term or whatever week or your week off holiday or something maybe do it, but or find, just, but but look into it because it really is not as required. It's it is completely probably just as you say commercial marketing that makes us believe it, and because that insulin spike thing happens as soon as the in, or insulin levels drop which is your body's way of saying I'm about to switch from using your stomach fat to using your body stored body fat. That's all, that's all it's saying. It's just telling you that. Um, but we've taken that to be a signal to say, okay, it's time for me to eat again. Um, and that's wrong. Yeah. Um, and the more you do this, the less you feel hungry. Hunger is a habit. It's not really a thing that your body does. Uh, most of the time when you feel hungry, you're just thirsty anyway. Uh, but yeah, as you say, as soon as your body gets rid of that, the, sim the simple, um, simple calories, simple carbs, whatever you've just eaten, um, that takes maybe an hour to get rid of perhaps since you've eaten. Once that's gone, your body will switch to burning your fat. And that is autophagy. Uh, the longer you're in autophagy, the better. Um, only up to three days, say, is currently the limit. But yeah, three days of autophagy, you could be burning because your metabolism is still running, uh, your metabolism does not slow down, uh, you will be still burning, say, 1,500 calories a day, just keeping your body doing its thing. Uh, mm. If you're working out or going for walks, running, whatever, obviously you're adding more. So, yeah, you could literally burn a pound of fat um, every three days that you don't eat by putting nothing into your system. I think that point you made about the water is a is a really useful one. I mean, I, I like I said, I'm not very good at remembering to drink water, but it it was helpful in the beginning when I was being um, just starting to do it. Um, is yes, that uh, your body can if you can, if you drink water when you feel hungry, that is quite often all you actually need um, to make yourself have the same benefits as have if you, if you ate a meal. We, we can't tell the difference, supposedly, or at least we get them confused. Um, so on, that, on those first few days, have a bottle of water to hand, and then every time you feel hungry, take some water, and that's it. And you'll, 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 you'll be all right. You'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, with water as well, the way I, kind of, I like to think about it is, if your body's burning up the fat, um, imagine fat is like bubble wrap, that you've popped the little bubbles in the bubble wrap, there's your fat cells all gone away. But those, those little holes are still, this little crap in there, bits of toxins or whatever. And the water comes along, whoosh, washing them all out, and out it goes in your wee, and kind of cleans out those little fat cells for you, yeah. and keeps your body tip top. Yeah. How we're oh. able to be so useful and informative every week, right? <laughs> Wow, we've been doing this for a while. We haven't died, have we? So that's that's a good research project, I think. Not sure that's a measure of success there, but okay, fine. Yes, we haven't died. Uh, I mean, for example, my, my wife did 
she did actually worry for me at one point when I first started doing this. What you're not gonna not gonna eat? Maybe you should eat today. Yeah, it's like oh, I'm all right. You know, because well, you were being you know <laughs> particularly ignorant that day. <laughs> maybe maybe I was hungry as it were, yes. but um. But no, I yeah. mean, it, it is embedded in us on a deep level to think that we must have three meals a day. And if we don't, then we have to make up for that somehow. I mean, yeah, kids aren't born thinking, I really want breakfast. That's not a thing in kids. Well, I mean, my son does it unintentionally quite a lot anyway, because, you know, if he's playing, he doesn't notice. And if you, if, you, if, you, if you don't notice you're hungry, if you can go hours without realizing that you haven't eaten food, when well, you clearly don't need food. At the point that you need food, guess what? We've evolved a way of telling us that we need food. <laughs> um, your body can feel it, you know, or your stomach rumbles. There's, there are signs to tell you that I really could do with some food right now. So if, if you're not, if yeah. you're not, if you don't, don't definitely don't eat habitually because it's twelve o'clock and it's lunchtime. If you if you if you didn't notice, just don't bother. Yeah, and um, just as a, as a small thing as well, like because we keep um, having to go at breakfasts. Um, the idea of one meal a day, it doesn't have to be a dinner. It could no. be breakfast if you want. You could eat every single day at breakfast and then nothing else. Yeah. Perfectly fine as well. Just pick one hour in your day to say, that's my eating window. Or as I said, start with four, four hours, four hours. Maybe, maybe eight hours, six hours, whatever it is, whatever's comfortable. Pick that as your eating window. Stick to that. And I think you'd have pretty good results. And that's a still a trial I, I'm wanting to do to actually flip it so that breakfast is the only meal I have in a day and not have dinner. But so my, my current social circumstances are such <laughs> that it doesn't make sense to do that. But, um, uh, yeah. but I'm, I'm curious because I, I think, uh, particularly because I'm trying to be um, more of an early bird than I am. Because that way, yeah. Because it's, I'm hungry. That's it, that that hunger that I get at five o'clock. Saying, "Hey, it's nearly dinner time." I, if I got that at six o'clock in the morning, then it would might encourage me to get up earlier. So um, that's what I'd like to try, but I haven't done so yet. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a good experiment. Um, the I chose dinner for me. It's just the easiest, um, <laughs> and like especially at the beginning, like you spend half the time you're fasting sleeping anyway. So yeah. don't really worry about that too much. And I think for me, you feel hungry in the mornings. It's something to look forward to. And eventually that, that hunger subsides. But yeah, I think if you move to breakfasts, I'd find that difficult, um, not on the fasting, but on the ideas of what to have for breakfast. That's kind of my weakest meal preparation area. But when you think about it, breakfast is quite varied. As in, like, you know, if you think about, you've got your cooked breakfast and your, and your continental breakfast actually quite a lot of different types of foods that you can eat at breakfast the possibly the worst one or the one that i struggle <laughs> to imagine is is like well vegetables really there's you could fruit makes sense carbohydrate mm. makes sense even protein makes sense in the mornings but um there isn't an awful lot of standard vegetables certainly not root vegetables you know people don't eat that in the morning um uh, sort of do it's creative uses. Like, yeah, you yeah. could have an omelette. Um, you could have potato shavings in your omelette. Uh, you could have avocado in your omelette. Carrot. 
Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's just difficult. But even like a, fu a, a full English, you could have chips. I mean, get some potato in there. I mean, yeah, obviously within the full English and the continental, all of those bits are covered and the fruit salad and all that sort of stuff. The things that you have in a hotel, the full spread, you can imagine all of that. That's that's all the things that are option on for breakfast, and that's all. And that's all. That's all great. Yeah. Um, and there's obviously got more opportunity for um, um, for cereals and fibers and nuts and things. All those things work quite nice. Probably even even better than they do at dinner time. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's just a it's just the root vegetables which are perhaps <laughs> not as obvious. Yeah, maybe not cereals. There's a good book called Green Brain. <laughs> green beans. I've never seen anyone green beans in the for breakfast, but maybe. Yeah. Uh, different different place in the world. You know, some You've places have, have curry for breakfast. Well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a problem with that personally. I, I, well, I'd love it. I mean, after I have had breakfast curry for breakfast before. Usually the morning after they've had it for the night for the for, for a takeaway but carry on toast but at least some more probably the wrong language to use there italians probably don't do that but yeah um but yes that's it that's our uh, intermittent fasting we've both had um a good level of success um it's something i'll probably continue to do forever i don't see any reason to ever stop doing that um I'm not so strict as I used to be. I do have days off sometimes. Like for example, I'll let go on a weekend sometimes. Uh, currently, I've got a week off work and I'm not being so strict. So I'm okay with that. Like I might put on a pound this week and then it might take me another two months to get rid of it. Whatever, I'm very close to my weight limits, etc. I've done the hard work as far as I'm concerned. And I think once you start this, get that first few weeks out, you will start getting the benefits and you can start doing the same. But that's all I have. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, then all there is to say is thank you very much for joining us. Um, remember to think, educate and act, and we will catch you next week. Bye-bye. Mm. Bye. -bye. Bye.